At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is our number two of the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson, coming at you from Circa. Absolutely lovely sports book and resort out here in Las Vegas. And We've got to get you caught up on a little bit of a situation that we've got out there in Austin Stadium. For those that are wondering, where is Austin Stadium? That would be Eugene, Oregon, as the number nine Ducks currently have the lead on Cal by a count of 24 to 17. But you saw one of the more incredible plays that I've seen this college football season wind up extending this drive as Cal is inside of the five yard line, a fourth and goal to go. So, this is going to be very significant, and if you have the over, you are hoping and praying that this game goes to overtime as you wind up having Chase Gerbers on a fourth down just shovel the ball forward. Somehow, someway, Cal was able to convert, get a first down. Now they're faced with a fourth down as I have no idea what the play calling has been these last three plays, but here we are right now. We're going to keep you guys up to date on this one. We've got one other game that's going on out here on the West Coast as well. That'd be San Jose State against San Diego State. And if you have not been watching this game, you have not missed much. It is 6-6 six six right now. Neither team has scored a touchdown with 3.15 remaining in the fourth quarter. And San Jose State has the ball in their own 42. And the fourth down play for Cal. It comes up empty with one second left to go. And Cal not having any timeouts remaining. This game is done. Cal is unable to convert the fourth down they are right now discussing if there is a penalty or not it looks like there is no flags on the field so it looks like cal's comeback attempt is going to be coming up futile if you wound up having the money line of cal that's not so great if you took the anywhere between 13 and 13 and a half points well you're going to be getting there on this and with the total being anywhere between 53 and 53 and a half unless if you got something very 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 strange in game this is one that is going to be going under so that it looks like has been decided but something else that we've got to be deciding upon what team is going to be the lowest scoring team out there in the nfl this week it's something that i always like to do because you always wind up seeing these totals sometimes they're harebrained and they're just really really high really really low and i always just like to take a look at some of these defenses in general i think that defense has become a little bit of a lost art in the nfl so let's take a look at the odds via DraftKings as to what teams might be the lowest scoring this week? And right now, the short shot is the Houston Texans. They are on the road facing off against the Indianapolis Colts. If you think that they are going to be the lowest scoring team on Sunday. So this takes the Monday night game out of the equation as well. So do note that. But if you think the Texans are going to score fewer points than anyone else, you're getting them at plus 400. Next up on the list, the Seattle Seahawks. They're having some guy named Russell Wilson out of the fold. So apparently that affected them a little bit. They're at plus 600. The New York Giants are currently at plus 700. They're going to be facing off against the LA Rams. From there, you've got the Bears at 8-1. to They're going to be facing off against the Green Bay Packers. Got the 
Las Vegas Raiders. I always have to catch myself on that one with the changeover. They're at 10-1 against the Denver Broncos. The Jaguars are at 12-1 against the Dolphins. And then every, everyone else from there, they are 14-1 or greater. But the team that I'm really focusing in on right now, that would be the New York Giants. Now, the good news is it looks like Daniel Jones is going to be able to be good to go for this one. He has clear concussion protocol, so unless if something strange winds up happening, he winds up just coming down with some sort of a mysterious illness. He winds up trying to help out his kids, and he winds up committing some sort of an injury there or something like that. He's going to be out there, and he's going to be under center for the New York Giants, but on top of that with the New York Giants, what is going to be a real loss for them, the fact that they're not going to have out there one of his main weapons in Kenny Galladay along Saquon Barkley. Now, it's just been a story pretty much as old as the dawn of time for the New York Giants ever since they wanted drafting Saquon Barkley that he's out the full. But regardless, it still hurts his team. And now you have to go up against an L.A. Rams defense that, let's face it, with Aaron Donald at the front of it, it is absolutely nasty. The secondary has been tremendous for this team. In my opinion, the Rams defense is one of the best units that you're going to find in all of football. And you have to enter into the, there with no Saquon Barkley, no Kenny Galladay. And on top of that, does anyone think that Daniel Jones was the correct pick by the New York Giants a few years ago? I still remember the vitriol that wanted coming from the mouths of Giants fans after they wanted drafting him a few years ago. And rightfully so. It was a big giant reach at the time. It's not looking any better right now. Daniel Jones has not been able to put it together as an NFL quarterback now. The one thing I will say for Mr. Jones is that he hasn't turned the ball over a lot. Only one interception so far this year, so he at the very least has been efficient with it, but how are they going to move the ball down the field? You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Sterling Shepard so far this year, but now you're going to be looking at guys like John Ross. I think that Darius Slayton is currently dealing with an injury. He has yet to be ruled out, but he's currently listed as questionable. That's something that you want to note as well, because he's a little bit of a burner. If he's dealing with a little bit of an ailment, he's not able to be at 100%, but you just take a look at this Giants team in general, and it's not good news for them. They've been dealing with some injuries up front as well with Andrew Thomas. He's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. I think that that entire left side in general has been banged up for the Giants, so that is less than ideal when you're going up against a Rams team that they've got all the weapons that they wind up having. Now with the Rams, one thing that is going to be able to help them out is the fact that you do have a little bit of a quick strike offense as this is a team that they've been able to get a little bit of something out of Daryl Henderson Jr. He's been a very solid running back for them, giving them right around four-ish yards per carry, so that has been very beneficial, but at the same time, this is a Rams team that they're looking to move the ball through the air, so maybe you wind up getting an extra possession that way, but I don't think that there's a lot of hope for this Giants team when it comes to them on offense. You've got everyone firing all cylinders for this Rams team, and I do think that the numbers for the Rams, they are a little bit misleading when it comes to their defense as well, which has still been really, really solid, but you take a look at who they've had to play recently. They wind up having to go up against the Buccaneers, obviously. They wind up playing against a Cardinals offense that right now they look absolutely amazing with Kyler Murray doing all that he's doing. And then last week, they wind up against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, they wind up going up against a Seahawks team that they wind up having Russell Wilson go out midway through the game. But I think that this could really be a game in which the Rams hold down the New York Giants to seven points or fewer. I just don't think that there's a lot of promise with them in general. Now, the short shot on there is one that I can't necessarily disagree with either. The Houston Texans, they've got Davis Mills out there. It has been a calamity 
the moves that Mr. O'Brien made when he was at the helm as the coach slash GM of the Houston Texans a few years ago. They're coming back to bite them in the butt. I mean, how do you wind up trading away New Hopkins for what they wind up doing? Getting in David Johnson, whoopty stinking do. That was just an absolutely terrible move, but I take a look at them going up against the Colts team that right now the Colts are one and four. Now, the defense has not necessarily been the crux of the issue for the Colts. It's been more or less the fact that Carson Wentz has not been at 100%, and even when he has been out there on the field, he has not necessarily been too great, but this is still a Colts defense. You take a look at it, and they've given up at least 25 points in all but one of their games. The lone game that they did not, that would be against a Miami Dolphins team in which they wound up having out there Jacoby Brissett, so it's not even when they were at full staff. This is a Colts defense that I was expecting a little bit more from now. Part of the reason why the Colts have had issues is because the offense has been a little bit inept right now as well. So sometimes you wind up seeing it with a lot of these units in which the defense winds up hurting the offense and vice versa because when you're a defense, you wind up being out there for several minutes and then your offense winds up going three and out. You're just like, thanks a lot, guys. We're completely burnt out. But when it comes to the Colts, was expecting a little bit more quitty pay. Quitty pay is someone that I actually do like just moving forward in general for this team. But you take a look at the year that you've been able to get on some of these guys like Darius Leonard and company, and it's not necessarily what you were expecting out of them. So that's a big reason why I'd be taking a look at a team like the New York Giants over, say, the Houston Texans. And then I think that the Seattle Seahawks situation is going to be very interesting because when Geno Smith wound up coming into the game last week, he actually looked halfway decent. Now, is Geno Smith what we're going to be finding with, say, Russell Wilson? Oh, heck no. But at the same time, at the very least, you've got a guy with a little bit of mobility. I'm not going to be calling Geno Smith necessarily like Michael Vick the second or anything like that. But Geno Smith, we all recall when he was coming out of West Virginia, there were varying opinions of him. He's been able to sit by and won the best the last few years as he back up to Russell Wilson. So him knowing the offense, him actually having a chance to be able to learn, I think is actually going to provide a little bit of upside here with the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the fact that you wind up having now Chris Chris Carson placed on injured reserve, that wound up happening in the last 48 hours, that's not going to help them. Now you're going to be having to rely upon Alex Collins and company out there in the backfield, but you still do have a couple of weapons that you're able to look at. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, that's going to be able to help. Now, this is also a Seattle Seahawks defense that this is not the Legion of Boom anymore. Heck, this is not the Legion of Somewhat Boom anymore. It has been not necessarily the world's greatest unit, to say the least, but I do think that this is a Seahawks team, which are going to be able to put up a couple points against a Steelers unit that they themselves have been able to do a solid job. They, I feel like, have been hurt by the ineptitude that we've seen out of the Steelers' offense as well, so it's one of those things in which the offense has been hurting the defense, but when it comes to the lowest-scoring team, in the NFL this week. I certainly do think that that mantle is going to be handed to our good friends the New York Giants. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a rough go of it for them. It's a little bit of a rough go of it if you wind up going with the over in this San Diego State versus San Jose State game as well. You've got 19 seconds left here in the fourth quarter, so this is a game that at this point we might be staring at an overtime situation. It is currently 6-6. Six six. This is a total in which it wound up closing anywhere between 40 and a half and 41. Not often that you see a total of 43 wind up getting bet down by multiple points. That is what you wind up having in this spot. And right now it's been the right call. As we know, 
things can get very, very haywire when you wind up getting a college football overtime, and that is what we are now going to be getting. You were able to have no dice from either team in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter, so we are going to be heading to overtime with this game at 6-6. Six six. We're going to get you guys caught up on that on the other side. Also going to be taking a little bit more of a look forward as to some of the props that we're going to be seeing for this week in the NFL as well. That and more coming up on the other side here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get ready for all the action this NBA season with the VSIN Basketball Betting Experts. Grab your copy of the VSIN Pro Basketball Betting Guide now with strategies, predictions, and best bets to stay ahead of the odds makers, our hoops experts including Mr. Jonathan Von Tobel, provide strategies and advice, as well as predictions for conference winners, win totals, playoff teams, and player awards. This digital guide is a must-have, so give yourself a betting edge this season. Get your copy now at $9.99 a month at vcin.com slash subscribe as we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Greg Peterson experience. It is quite an experience as well. If you're taking a look at the San Diego State versus San Jose State game, not a lot of scoring right now, but as we know, college football overtime, it can be a little bit airbrained. The San Diego State Aztecs have just punched a ball in the end zone. The first touchdown we have seen all night in this game. It is out 12 to 6 with the extra point bending. So we're going to be taking a look at this as it moves forward as Lucas Johnson who wound up just coming into the game, his second pass of the night, he winds up being able to connect for a touchdown, so that is very intriguing as catching that, Mr. Jesse Matthews, so number 24, San Diego State, looking to stay in the top 25, if you want to play the anywhere between 9 to 10 points with the San Diego State Aztecs, well, you're going to need an absolute and utter calamity to happen in order to be able to cash this one as You've got a situation which you need San Jose State to get the ball back. You need them to then commit a turnover and San Diego State run the ball back for a touchdown. So if you would wind up having that happen, that would be an all-time bad beat. But we're going to be keeping our eyes on that. Also keeping our eyes on everything for the National Foosball League this week as you've got the highest scoring teams and the lowest scoring teams. Those are pops over there at DraftKings Area Blow Bet on. Last week or last segment wanted pitting on the highest scoring teams. Last segment actually hit on the lowest scoring teams. Now let's take a look at the teams that might wind up scoring the most points. And the top one on the list, that'd be the Kansas City Chiefs. They're at plus 400 against the Washington football team. Now also keep in mind, this is for Sunday and Sunday only. So this takes the Monday night game between the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans out of the equation or else you might see a little bit of value on the Buffalo Bills as They've been able to put up some absolutely massive numbers with Josh Allen company at the helm there, but Chiefs are the short shot at plus $4. At plus $6.50, you've got the team that I think has a lot of value to be able to hold down a team to the fewest amount of points in the Giants as you've got the Rams at plus $6.50 right now. Everyone else is 10-1 to or greater. At 10-1 to exactly, you've got the Colts. 
the Cowboys and the Ravens. The Ravens are taking on the Chargers. Cowboys are going up against the Patriots. And the Colts are going up against the Texans at 11-1. You've got the Cleveland Browns going up against the Cardinals. And a little bit surprised to not see the Cardinals up here because that's a team in which I think has a little bit of value here. And then at 14-1, you've got the Bengals who are going to be going up against the Detroit Lions. And I think that that is going to be a little bit of an intriguing one because with the Lions, we've seen them give up a whole bunch of points, but at the same time, we've seen them hold up at the point of attack much like they were able to do last week, so they're a little bit of an enigma to me, but I actually do think that there is quite a bit of value here for the Arizona Cardinals to be able to be a top-scoring team. You're fighting them north of 20-1 to 1 right now. You just take a look at what Kyler Murray has been able to do. If you were basing the MVP award on what we've seen to this point and only to this point, I'm not projecting forward, I'm just saying right now, as it stands, week six in the NFL, Kyler Murray, in my opinion, would have to be your MVP. He has done some absolutely incredible things. He's already thrown for 10 touchdowns. He's at 1,500 yards. He's been doing a tremendous job of being able to find his man, Nuke Hopkins. Now, he also does have four interceptions, which that's a little bit of a bugaboo, but at the same time, completing over 75% of his passes, he has been incredibly efficient. And as we know, this is a Cardinal team, which... You know, unless they have a lot of a ground game. They want to train for David Johnson. David Johnson has been relatively useless. And you've got a Browns team that they are fresh off of giving up 47 points to the to the LA Chargers. Now, in that game, you just wound up seeing a whole lot of harebrainedness. You saw just a big giant calamity, but I think that it's a little bit ridiculous right now that you're also finding the Cardinals as a three to three and a half point underdog that we're going to be talking about a little bit later. But I take a look at the Cardinals. I do think that they have some very good value here at north of 21. You're not even able to find it among the top 12 teams when it comes to the odds that we're flashing up on the screen right now. So that right there tells me that there isn't a whole lot of bullishness. I do think that the odds makers are undervaluing what Arizona has done a little bit. I think that you need to adjust to what we've seen thus far this year. And we've seen the Browns be a little bit more lackluster on defense, especially recently. The Arizona Cardinals have really been able to get things going. That's somewhere that I'm taking a look at. Something else that I take a look at when it comes to everything as well is what we might be able to get out of one of the teams that are a little bit further down the list as well. You take a look at a team that is currently at 17-1 to with the Vikings going up against the Panthers. And I do think that this is a Vikings team that they should be able to bust out a little bit. You've had Dalvin Cook, who's been out with a little bit of an injury. It looks like he should be good to go in this one. I think that that is something that is very important. Having a fully healthy Dalvin Cook is one of the most lethal things in all of football, in my opinion. You take a look at the way that he catches the ball out of the backfield. You take a look at the way that he has been able to just run the ball in general, and it has been nothing short of magnificent ever since he's come into the NFL. He's obviously missed a pair of games thus far this season, but being able to get him back, and being able to get him back from all reports relatively healthy, I think that that is just so important to this team because if you don't wind up having a healthy Delvin Cook, that certainly does put a little bit of a damper on things. But I do think that we also wind up giving Kirk Cousins a little bit of the short end of the stick. Now, he has not necessarily done the world's greatest when it comes to primetime games, but when it comes to Kirk Cousins as well, he's on his part so far this year. 10 touchdowns to two interceptions, right around 1,400 yards. You take a look at it, and he's had a couple drop balls, and yet it still has been completing right around 69.5% of his passes. He is going to be going up against the Panthers team, which we've seen them be able to ignite their offense as well. When it comes to the Panthers, I've been incredibly impressed by what we've seen out of Sam Darnold so far this year. And the big thing with Sam Darnold is not necessarily been him through the air, and we have seen a little bit of regression with the Panthers over the last two weeks, but it's really the way that he's moving around as well. 
You take a look at Sam Darnold in his first couple years with the New York Jets. He was a relatively stationary guy. He wound up having a combined five rushing touchdowns in his three years with the Jets. Now here with the Carolina Panthers, in five games, he's got five rushing touchdowns. So I think it's absolutely incredible what we've been seeing with that. And we did see a little bit more of the elusiveness of Sam Darnold in his last year while he was with the Jets. I still recall it was one of those Thursday night football games in which he wound up having a very nice display. I think that it was against the Denver Broncos, but don't quote me on that. Then he was able to bust out the wheels a little bit. And certainly things have been sour for the Carolina Panthers over the last two weeks, but I do like what I've seen of this team by and large recently. And this is a Panthers team which the defense wound up having a very good start to the year, but how much of that was the competition that they wound up playing? They wound up playing to begin the year. The Jets, the Saints, and the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans started in that game, Davis Mills, and let's face it, this is a Texans team that in general, they're going to be in the bottom five of the NFL. I think that very securely at number one is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who has a coach that is just there for the paycheck and the paycheck only in Urban Meyer. I've not been impressed by him whatsoever. He has also field controversy when he's not doing it on the field. That is not a good combination right there. And it's just been a very sad situation. You've got a bunch of rookies that they're looking to a coach for some guidance, and he has provided none of that whatsoever. So that is not a good spot. I can't really pull the trigger on the Dolphins being one of the top scoring teams this week as well because, well, their quarterback situation has not been great. We have not seen the Dolphins be able to give you anything on offense whatsoever until we wind up seeing that. I would not be able to take a look there, but when it comes to the Vikings as well, I do like the weapons that do surround Kirk Cousins as well. You've been able to see Adam Thielen in recent years be able to be a very good slot wide receiver, and now he's paired up very well with the gentleman that's able to be a little bit more of a home run threat in Justin Jefferson. Jefferson has been absolutely amazing this year. 33 receptions already. He has just been catching everything that has been able to go his way. Very good route runner. He has been incredible for a Vikings offense that I think is a little bit under the radar. You've had quite a few guys be able to do a solid job up front for the team as well. I think that this is an offensive line that has been put together in incredible fashion because you've had just a couple guys in recent years that they've been picked in the middle rounds. They've been able to emerge for this team and really become cornerstones of this offensive line. So you give a little bit of credit there. And this is also a Viking team of which possessions have been a little bit higher in their games as well, because we all know that when it comes to Zimmer, the way that he has conducted his teams in recent years, being a little bit more of a defensive guy, typically the defense when it comes to the Vikings has been solid, but we really saw that shift last year when you wound up seeing that take a little bit of a nosedive, and we've seen that continue on into this year. You've got Everson Griffin up front for the team who just has not been able to do much when it comes to the ground. Now, he's got four sacks so far this year, but when it comes to being able to contain just rushing attacks in general, that has not necessarily been great. You've got Sheldon Richardson, who you were expecting a little bit more from as well. So it's been a Vikings defensive unit that has been a little bit of a letdown. So I think that you could see a little bit of a higher scoring game when it comes to the Vikings this upcoming week against the Panthers. So that is something that I'm going to be taking a look at. Something else that we want to be taking a look at is just what we're going to be getting in general with regards to college football playoff. We're going to be having some big-time matchups when it comes to everything that is going to be affecting it on Saturday. So we're going to be taking a little bit of a look at that next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. 
Get in on the Bellator 268 action for free with Bellator MMA Prediction Challenge. Answer questions about how you think it'll all go down on October 16th for your shot at $5,000. Head to DraftKings.com Showtime to make your predictions now before the fight begins. Who will be one step closer to claiming the light heavyweight throne? Don't miss the light heavyweight World Grand Prix semifinals on Saturday, October 16th, live on Showtime. Terms and conditions apply and other restrictions with regards to eligibility do apply. See DraftKings.com for details as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson. And if you are on the under in San Diego State versus San Jose State, what you're currently experiencing right now is a big giant sweat that you did not think that in a million years you would have. San Diego State just wound up punching the ball in the end zone. It has just one final as I did not know if they wound up going to San Jose State at first or not, but this is one that just went final. You very nearly had an absolutely terrible beat here if you wound up having the under, but it comes through. 19 to 13, the final in not one but two overtimes and had this one to a third overtime apparently they just wind up going for like two point conversions or something like that after that i know that it was put in place after you wound up having that texas a&m versus lsu game which was amazing with all of its overtimes and then i guess college football decided ah oh, that was too much fun for us now we're just gonna have every team go for a score on every single play and we're just gonna do it this way in the name of player safety because we all know how many games go past double overtime when it comes to college football, but with that said, this game does wind up going final. San Diego State 19, San Jose State 13. If you wound up playing anywhere between 9 to 10 points with San Diego State, you did not wind up getting there. Total wound up starting out at 43, closest anywhere between 40 and a half and 41, so that winds up going under as that was the last game that we wound up having on the college football slate. Other games that wound up going final. Clemson takes down Syracuse, but they do not cover the spread. Spread was anywhere between 13 and 13 and a half. It was 17 to 14. Clemson got the job done against Syracuse. Clemson has been able to do an amazing job on defense, an amazingly average to below average job on offense, but just enough to be able to get it done here. Some very controversial decisions by Mr. Dino Vavers when it comes to Syracuse and decisions to go for a field goal that he probably should not have made, so... That's what wound up happening in that one. Favorite wound up covering and winning outright in this one as Marshall all over North Texas going on the road and being able to get a 49 to 21 win with the total right around 66 to 66 and a half. Total winds up going over and Marshall able to cover the 11 point spread very easily. And then at Oxen Stadium, the Oregon Ducks able to get it done, but not without a big giant sweat as Cal wound up having an opportunity in the final 15 seconds inside of Oregon's five-yard line. The defense was able to hold 24 to 17 the final. You want to blame the between 13 to 13 and a half points with the Oregon Ducks. That did not wind up coming through. What did come through, though, that would be the under. That was anywhere between 13 and that was anywhere between 53 and 53 and a half points. So total winds up going under, but the Oregon Ducks unable to cover. So we are seeing road teams have a relatively solid run of things. As if you take a look at college football in general and what we've been seeing this year, road teams have actually not been too terrible against the spread. They're 203, 214, and 11 overall, which that's right around a 48.7% hit rate. 
you typically would expect it to be, in my opinion, actually a little bit less than that. So that has been very intriguing. And home underdogs, they continue to be relatively solid in college football. Now, they have been drying up a little bit. They're now hitting at a rate of 55.8% after what we wound up seeing Friday night. 63, 50, and 4 overall. They wound up being absolutely white out the first three or four weeks of the season ever since then, right around 500. So that's something that I'm tracking and unders continue to be hitting at right around a 53% clip in college football as well. But when it comes to college football, we're going to have some big implications when it comes to college football playoff that are going to be going down this Saturday. And once it becomes Saturday in all of the continental 48 states, so when it hits midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, so in about 25 minutes, really going to be going college football heavy, taking a look at a lot of these games. But if you're looking at the odds to be able to make the college football playoff, we have certainly seen a little bit of shift because our good friends, the Alabama Crimson Tide, wound up not just not being able to cover the spread against Texas A&M last week, but they wind up taking an outright loss. Something I wound up leading the show with is the fact that the Pac-12 and the ACC, well, they don't necessarily have great contenders when it comes to being able to make the college football playoff right now, as that is reflected in the odds, as you've got the runaway favorites of the SEC to be able to win the college football championship. Georgia at plus 125 and Alabama at plus 220. You've got from there Ohio State at plus $8, 8 to 1. Oklahoma from there goes to 15 to 1. Iowa at 20 to 1. Cincinnati, we are on to Cincinnati. They're at 25 to 1. Michigan, I know a lot of people laughed at people that wound up placing bets on Michigan to win the national title slash make the college football playoff preseason. They're now at 30 to 1. Oregon's at 50 to 1. Michigan State at 60 to 1. And then from there, Penn State at 75 to 1. And what's reflected in this is that there is a little bit of question mark as to whether or not the Big Ten might be a contender to be able to get two teams into the college football playoff or not. And that's where the value winds up coming into play here. If you think that there's an opportunity that the Big Ten is able to get multiple teams into the college football playoff, then there's a lot of value in those odds. And if you're taking a look at odds to be able to make the college football playoff, right now you've got Iowa at plus 240. The no is at minus 310. Ohio State is right now your top team when it comes to odds to be able to make the college football playoff. They're at plus 105. But then you take a look at the Pac-12, and I think that this is very accurate as Oregon who very nearly had their odds go up in flames. These numbers were from prior to their win against Cal. The yes on them being able to make the college football playoff. These are all by DraftKings, by the way. They're at plus 750. The other team that's really on the board for them at plus 950, that'd be Arizona State. And you really don't have an ACC team that is registering right now. Well, if you still wind up having the concept of what we had in 2020 where Notre Dame was in the ACC. They're at plus 850. They've got better odds than anyone else out there in the Pac-12 or in the in the ACC and rightfully so because I don't think that the ACC is going to be getting a team into the college football playoff. I don't think that Oregon is going to be able to make the college football playoff and then that leads you to can Arizona State be able to make a run somehow, some way, be able to get in and right now I think that they're up against it. I think that every single one of these Pac-12 teams is probably going to wind up with two-plus losses this season. You take a look at Arizona State moving forward, and they don't necessarily have a bunch of brutal games, but at the same time, I think that the game that is going to be coming up on Saturday, we're going to take a look at this a little bit more against Utah. It's going to be a tricky one. You never know what you're getting against USC because we've seen the best of USC, and then we've seen the USC team in which they wound up having Clay, Clay Hilton wind up getting canned earlier in the year because they laid a complete egg against Stanford. I mean, it has been... The best of times and worst of times for them going on the road against Oregon State, I don't think is as easy as a lot of people would like 
it to be as well. And then with Oregon moving forward, they were able to survive and advance in this game against Cal tonight, but they also have to play at Washington in the Apple Cup. Washington is down this year, but that is always a rivalry matchup. You've got the Civil War game against Oregon State as well. Oregon State is going to be a tough out. And then they also wind up having to play against a Utah team that I would not want to be facing on the road. Utah, always a brutal team when it comes to them in their home stadium. So that's a little bit of an issue. And then when you just take a look at the teams that might be providing a little bit of value, I'd probably just wind up bundling a lot of these Big 10 teams that just saying, you know what, I think that there's a shot that one of these teams wind up getting into the college football playoff. You take a look at a team like a Michigan at 9-1, to I think that that actually provides some value. Michigan at plus 320 because I think that there's a realistic shot that we wind up getting two Big 10 teams into the college football playoff because I do think that there are some weaknesses when it comes to Ohio State, but I do think that ultimately they are going to be able to win out. And then the question becomes, is there enough strength with the rest of this Big Ten to be able to get a second team into the college football playoff? And I think the answer is yes, because of the way that a lot of these teams wanted to performing out of conference. Penn State has won the better wins that you're going to find out of conference. They were able to take down Auburn. Now, it doesn't sound like a ton, but at the same time, when you're pairing their up, them up with, say, the ACC, say, the Pac-12, Really, other than that win that Oregon has against Ohio State, you don't have much of anything with either of the other of those two conferences. And then you take a look at Iowa. They're still currently undefeated. So even if they do wind up losing and save some sort of a championship game against Ohio State, they still would be leaving themselves with one loss. They were able to go on the road, defeated at the at then time, top 10 Iowa State. That is a big win on the resume. Now, obviously, playing against the likes of Colorado State and Company, that's not going to do a whole lot flop for you, but I do think that that's very beneficial to them as well. You just take a look up and down the list. Purdue being able to get a win against Oregon State. That is certainly going to be able to buoy them. That's going to be able to help them out. Michigan State, now they wound up having them become now unranked, but being able to win on the road against Miami, that helps them out as well in that comparison. So I take a look at it, and the real value here, I think, is in the possibility that you wind up getting two Big Ten teams into the college football playoffs. So certainly it's something that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on and something that I now have my eyes on. That would be the NBA. The season is starting up here in the next few days. We've got to take a look at some of these futures, and we're going to be doing so on the other side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. First Bet wants you to get ready for the Breeders' Cup with a chance to win $1,000 in free bets. Go to slash horses to enter for your chance to win. The grand prize winner will have $1,000 deposited into their account before the Friday, November 5th. Just before the Breeders' Cup, there are plenty of runner-up prizes as well. So sign up today at vsin.com slash horses. Terms and conditions do apply. So go to vsin.com slash horses for more information. As we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Greg Peterson Experience. We are here from Circa and we are here talking a little NBA as Things are going to be getting tipped off when it comes to the NBA regular season here the next few days. 
we've been witnessing a little bit of preseason action. I'm someone that it doesn't matter the sport to me. I just am not necessarily one for betting preseason. So don't have a lot when it comes to NBA preseason. I, even when you get into like these college basketball scrimmages, typically they're closed door. You're not able to find anything when it comes to that. And don't even get me started on MLB spring training. I mean, you just have no idea what you're betting on when it comes to MLB spring training. Unless you got some very, very good inside information, you know who's going to be pitching when, because typically the starters go two innings. And we use the whose line is it anyway mentality when it comes to a lot of these preseason games. Everything's made up and the points don't matter. So you've got that going on. But when the games actually matter in the next few days, it's going to be really intriguing. As we know, the NBA season, it can be a, quite a bit of a grind. And I think it's really interesting what we're going to get for the odds to win the NBA Finals. Because right now, the Brooklyn Nets, who, if you haven't heard, they're dealing with a little bit of controversy right now. They're at plus 205 at DraftKings. From there, you've got the Lakers at 4-1. to one, The Milwaukee Bucks are at 9-1. to one, Warriors are at 11-1. to one, Jazz 15-1. to one, Clippers and Suns are at 17 to 1. Then you've got a couple teams at 20 to 1 with the 76ers along with the Denver Nuggets. And then from there, you don't have a single team that is at 25 to 1 or worse. But if you're looking for a little bit of a longer shot, by that I mean any team that's north of 15 to 1, I'd be taking a look at the Nuggets just because with Jamal Murray being out of the fold, this is still a Nuggets team that was able to make a little bit of a run in the postseason. You've got the reigning MVP in Nikolai Jokic. And I do think that the West is a little bit more wide open. No question. The Warriors are going to be better. Klay Thompson was dealing with that torn ACL last year, which that meant that he was out of the fold. Steph Curry was able to do some very amazing things. But when you still take a look at that core in general, I just need to see a little bit more out of some of these younger guys before I can buy into the Golden State Warriors. As we know, they wind up trading for Andrew Wiggins. There was a little bit of controversy as to whether or not he'd be available for the season. He did wind up getting the COVID-19 vaccine, so now he's going to be able to play in all the Golden State Warriors games, so he is going to be all good to go there. And you just take a look at it in general. You take a look at a guy in James Wiseman that was banged up with an injury, and he only played three games in college, so he really hasn't played a lot of basketball in recent years in general, so... That leaves you with a little bit of a question mark there. Now, Jordan Poole, I think, is a solid ancillary piece for this team. But when I take a look at it in general, when you're starting Kevon Looney at the center spot, because it seems like Wiseman is probably going to miss a little bit of time this year, that puts you a little bit behind the eight ball. So I do think that there's some question marks there. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Nuggets, and you were able to see some very nice performances for this team from the back half of the season as well. Because even when Jamal Murray was out with his injury, you were able to have a couple guys to be able to step up. You take a look at what you were able to get out of Mr. Porter towards the back half of the season. That was absolutely magnificent. There was like a stretch in which he had a bunch of 20-plus point games. So that is something that I think is going to be able to help this team out. Will Barton is someone that I think is a little bit underrated at the guard spot as well. So I think that he's going to be a nice ancillary piece. So when you're taking a look out west, I do think that you've got a little bit of value with the Denver Nuggets team. I think that Aaron Gordon with a little bit more time with this team is going to be able to mesh in. I think that that's something that gets lost on a lot of people when it comes to the NBA especially. It's that chemistry does matter a little bit. We see it a lot more when it comes to college basketball. These junior and senior laden teams, they're able to take off and they're able to have these big runs. With the NBA, it seems to click a little bit easier, but... And we even noticed it when it came to the big three with regards to the Miami Heat. In their first year, they were unable to get the job done. So I always think that in all forms of basketball, look no further than the Olympics, that 
having a little bit of time together, having that chemistry, it does matter at the end of the day. So I don't think that you should be just poo-pooing that. But when it comes to the short shot to be able to win the NBA Finals in the Brooklyn Nets, I don't know about you, but only getting 2-1 to one to me seems like really, really bad value right now because this Kyrie Irving situation is a mess. Now, to be clear about it, when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets, it's not necessarily them that is saying that Kyrie Irving can't participate in the home games. Now, they made the decision that, you know what, because Kyrie is unable to play in home games, we don't want him out there altogether. We don't want a part-time player. But the reason why Kyrie Irving is right now out of the fold is because when it comes to local mandates out there where the Brooklyn Nets are playing in the state of New York, they just are unable to have them out there for home games. So because he is unvaccinated, they are unable to have them out there. They decide, you know what, instead of allowing Kyrie to be able to play in road games and have him be out in home games, that they just want to move on without him altogether. If he winds up getting the vaccine, then they're going to be revisiting it and everything like that. And it certainly is one of those things in which you got to take your politics out of it. You've got to just take a look at the value and the value alone, and you have to gauge, okay, right now, as it stands, is James Harden and Kevin Durant two guys that are able to do enough to warrant the Nets being only at plus 205 to be able to win the title and at even money to be able to win an Eastern Conference in which they are not the team that wanted representing the Eastern Conference in the finals. That would be the Milwaukee Bucks. And with the Bucks, obviously, they're a team that they are dealing with some moving parts from last year. They wanted losing a couple guys from that title run. And I don't think that this is good value on the Brooklyn Nets as of right now being even money to be able to win the Eastern Conference. I still take a look at the Milwaukee Bucks at 9-1, to and they still have a two-time MVP on that roster. And you take a look at what's all supporting the Brooklyn Nets. Signing Patty Mills, I thought, was a very good move. And you've got a guy in Joe Harris that is an absolutely incredible three-point shooter. But Bruce Brown, LaMarcus Aldrich, I mean, it's just a little bit of a horse of peace situation. We saw with LaMarcus Aldrich when he's out there with the San Antonio Spurs. Now, it's very good that he's back out there on the court. He was certainly dealing with some health issues that you wish him absolutely nothing but the best there. But when he was out there on the court while he was playing for the San Antonio Spurs those last 12 or so months, he was actually more of a liability than an asset to the team. They were actually better off when he was out there not on the court. So, that's something, and James Harden teams, as we know, everything's going to be flowing through James Harden. He was able to be a little bit less selfish. He was being a more willing passer when he's out there with Kevin Durant. But I still have my question marks there. Meanwhile, you take a look at this Milwaukee team, Bucks teams and what you saw with Giannis Antetokounmpo, it was absolutely incredible. Now, Dante DiVincenzo probably going to be out for the beginning of the season, but under the radar for the Bucks as well, and I never thought I'd be saying this about this gentleman a few years ago, but Grayson Allen, he's become an okay NBA player. I thought that he was going to be one of those guys in which was a college legend over there at Duke, a legend for being, well, one of those guys that you love to hate from Duke if you're a lot of folks that are not Duke fans, but he was able to have himself a nice year last year, was able to put up right around 10 and a half points. He was able to do some nice things out there in the Western Conference. He now comes over to the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think that he gives this team a little bit of depth and a little bit of needed depth. A good defensive player, Brooke Lopez, as we know, he's able to stretch the floor, be able to shoot a couple threes for this Bucks team at seven feet tall. And Drew Holiday wanted to becoming a big upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. You still have George Hill out there in that backcourt as well. So I think that that's going to be absolutely tremendous for this team. And then you have Mr. Do a little bit of everything in Giannis, who 
in the finals was able to actually hit a couple free throws, which allowed them to be able to win that one. And I know that there are a lot of people that they're sort of poking holes in the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks did not wind up having to face off against some of the world's greatest competition when they wound up making that finals run. They wound up going up against the Phoenix Suns that they themselves were the beneficiaries of some injuries, but at the same time, you can only play the teams that are out in front of you. I was very impressed by the Milwaukee Bucks, and I know that the number two team on that list is the LA Lakers, and I will put it to you this way. Do you want to be betting on a team at 4-1 to to be able to win the finals in which one of these guys by the end of the year might need a walker? I mean, that's how old this LA Lakers team is. I was someone that I used to play video games about 10 years ago. 10 years ago, this would be an absolutely tremendous team on NBA Live. For the year 2021-22, I don't know if I would want to be investing in this LA Lakers team just because I do fear that you might wind up having injuries catch up with some of these guys because, I mean, I wish I could put it any sort of different way, but this team is really, really stinking old. I mean, you just take a look at everyone on this list. Russell Westbrook is a liability when it comes to three-point shooting. LeBron James has been in the league for so long. You're going to be relying upon Dwight Howard along Carmelo Anthony. These guys are ancient and a half, and we wound up seeing Carmelo Anthony wear down towards back half of his tenure with the Trailblazers as well, a team that I want absolutely no part of. So the teams I'm looking at with some value, the Milwaukee Bucks along with the Denver Nuggets and something else that has value, college football Saturday is on the other side. It is Saturday across the continental 48 states. So we're going to be looking at a college football Saturday next here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.